Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, there's a Made in BC innovation that's playing a critical role in the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine that is rolling out across the globe. Lipid Nanoparticle Technology, or LNP, is developed here in Vancouver by Acuitas Therapeutics. It's one of the key factors that's allowing this vaccine to work in very, very interesting ways. Joining us today, it is nanomedicine researcher Peter Cullis. He is the co-founder of Acuitas Therapeutics. Um, Peter, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Good to be here. So this LN, or LPN technology, you know, what exactly does it do? Yeah, it's uh, lipid nanoparticle technology. Uh, the um, uh, <clears throat> there's a fundamental problem uh, with um, delivering larger molecules such as uh, messenger RNA uh, into cells, and that is uh, well. There's three fundamental problems. The first one is that they get chewed up in biological environments, and so if you just injected them, they would be uh, rendered uh, completely um, impotent within a very short period of time. The second is that so they don't accumulate where you want them to go. Uh, and the third is even if they get there, uh, they can't get into target cells. And so that's where you need a, a delivery system to be able to both protect uh, the messenger RNA uh, from the external environment. Uh, secondly, to get it to where the cells you want it to go to. And third, once it gets there, get them inside the cells. So it's quite, it's quite a task. Uh, that uh, we uh, we give to these uh, these delivery systems. So that's really what the lipid nanoparticle does. We found a, we found a way to uh, uh, both package the messenger RNA in the uh, in the lipid nanoparticle, uh, and then um, and then deliver it to hepatocytes um, in the liver, uh, and then take those systems uh, and then find that they also work uh, for a. Um, an intramuscular injection, injection uh, to give uh, rise to an immune response. So this is being deployed here with the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, but obviously this is technology that you've been working at uh, for, for a long, long time here. How did this come to be used with regards to the uh, messenger RNA vaccines that are now being deployed across the globe? Uh, the um, This is a long story. <laughs> uh, the... Um, you know, the my I, I, my laboratory here at UBC was I started it in 1978, so you know we're going back over 40 years, and uh, the um, we got interested in the in using these lipid-based systems um, for for drug delivery in general. Now back then, our focus was mainly on anti-cancer drugs and uh, trying to find ways of getting these uh, very toxic molecules more specifically to where they're needed. And having less of them, <clears throat> less delivery to uh, you know sites that might be um, vulnerable to the toxic side effects. Uh, so the uh, that was that really occupied our our time for about 15 years, maybe a little bit more. It still does to some extent. I mean, we're still working in that area. Uh, the um, <clears throat> and we got three drugs approved by the by the FDA and the European Medical Agency. Uh, during that time. So we were pretty successful. Um, but then in the mid 90s, we decided to have a go at delivering much larger molecules. And to give you an idea of the scale, uh, the um, molecular weight of the say, a common anti-cancer drug would be around about 500. And then the, uh, the molecular weight of a um, piece of RNA that we first started to work with was 13,000. Know? So it's a huge, huge difference in terms of the uh, characteristics of the molecule you're trying to deliver. 
And so we had to find ways of packaging it and uh, the, uh, which we developed. We had to develop new ways of uh, essentially rendering the delivery systems uh, non-toxic. And then we, uh, we, we were <coughs> contacted by a company in Boston called Al Nylon Pharmaceuticals. Uh, they had a delivery problem. They wanted to deliver what they what, what's called small interfering RNA, siRNA, uh, to a um, hepatocytes in the liver uh, to um, silence a, a particular gene. And this was this gene was uh, is one that was uh, <coughs> the, the, well initially we were just silencing a marker gene, uh, but um, there's lots of disorders in the liver. Um, that uh, require, you know, that might require uh, these kinds of gene therapies, in this case, to silence a, a gene that's giving rise to a pathogenic effect. So we worked with them for about um, uh, seven years. Uh, it, was a, it was a long and very uh, successful collaboration and ended up in 2012 with a drug going into the clinic um, <clears throat> that's now called Onpatro. And it's to silence a gene in the liver called transthyretin. Uh, that um, if, it's, if there's a mutation in transthyretin, then uh, you get deposits of um, amyloid, uh, amyloid plaques or amyloid fibrils in, uh, in tissues in your body. And the, um, uh, particularly in nervous tissue and in cardiac tissue, this can have very nasty effects. And it ends up uh, that um, if you're diagnosed with this condition, uh, you basically have five years to live, no treatment. Anyway, we got the, the results back in 2017. They were absolutely brilliant. And the drug was approved by the FDA to treat transthyretin-induced amyloidosis, which is a bit of a mouthful. But 50,000 people worldwide suffered from this. So it was a major triumph at that point and really validated uh, the lipid nanoparticle approach. Well, in 2012, uh, the company that I co-founded called Acuitas uh, the, once the drug is in the clinic, you can't do much more um, in terms of changing that drug. And so we moved on uh, to looking at messenger RNA um, to see whether or not uh, we could uh, deliver that, uh, to, for example, to the liver and uh, have uh, the messenger RNA uh, code for any protein we might want and see whether or not that might work. But the same way that we're silencing a gene in the liver, perhaps we could express the gene in the liver. The, um, and that was, that was successful that uh, the, uh, we did find that, uh, you know, the, we, could, we could package these things in the same way that we were packaging the uh, small interfering RNA. And uh, that uh, when we infected them intravenously, uh, we could uh, see accumulation in the liver and, uh, and the and gene expression. Um, so this was this was uh, this work was going going very well. Uh, we were developing Acuitas was developing uh, increasingly potent systems, uh, but then we were contacted by an immunologist at uh, the University of Pennsylvania, who said, "Well, I'd really like to try your system um, as a vaccine." And um, so we said, "Fine," and uh, you know, gave uh, packaged up some of his messenger RNA that was coding for proteins. And, Things like a Zika virus or uh, or influenza virus, and uh, the results that he got from those studies were absolutely spectacular. Uh, so the uh, this is going in instead of intravenously, of course, going in intramuscularly, uh, the or intradermally. And so the um, this the the the, uh, the outcome of that was well uh, the uh, the LN, lipid nanoparticle mRNA formulations 
uh, looked quite promising in the vaccine area as, as vaccines. And so Acuta started to work with a company in Germany called BioNTech and uh, the, um, on cancer vaccines. And so the idea there is to do a biopsy uh, of uh, an individual's cancer, find out the proteins that are you know, really uh, unique to that, uh, to that cancer, uh, then make the messenger RNA that codes for those proteins and try to induce an immune response so that your immune system takes care of the cancer. Uh, so this was, this was again progressing well, but uh, the, uh, in, in January of last year um, of 2020, the, um, of course the pandemic hit and uh, uh, BioNTech had been working, working with um, Pfizer on an influenza vaccine. And so uh, everybody decided that, uh, okay, we better change our track here and uh, go after um, the uh, COVID SARS-CoV-2 virus uh, go after COVID-19. And uh, so that's, uh, <clears throat> that's resulted in a, in a, in a very, very quick um, uh, switch to um, developing um, an mRNA-based vaccine for, for COVID-19. Uh, um, and this was using, of course, the lipid nanoparticle formulation uh, that uh, Acuitas had developed. And so uh, we were really a, a, a completely essential part of the, um, the vaccine that went into clinical trials, I guess it was last uh, March, April, and uh, the results of which we all know about, uh, they were announced uh, the, um, uh, <coughs> by, the, uh, by the, um, the company, by, by Pfizer-BioNTech in November, and uh, the approval, of course, was given uh, in December, not just by the U.S. FDA, but also uh, following that by pretty much every country in the world. So it's, you know, now it's uh, the the um, it's a spectacular situation where uh, the uh, I think Pfizer is now projecting that they're going to be producing nearly three billion doses this year. Um, the uh, the um, you know, the 95% uh, uh, efficacy and uh, good tolerability and all of that and looking like it's effective against various uh, new strains as well. So it's an amazing story uh, that um, we suddenly, you know, obviously the lipid nanoparticle approach was uh, the only approval for that had been for the for genetic drugs or for um, RNA-based drugs had been on Patro, which is the transthyretin drug I described which was, uh, as I said, is for 50,000 people. So now all of a sudden uh, we have billions and billions. Uh, the, um, so it's really taken the nanoparticle technology uh, from, uh, from being uh, something that you know, was, uh, uh, was not um, really on everybody's mind, let's put it that way, to being something that's mainstream now uh, in, uh, in therapeutics. What was your reaction though when you know, they floated the idea of applying this into vaccines? Well, I mean, what you're what you're doing is uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty sensible thing to try. Uh, the because uh, what you're doing is uh, instead of instead of taking the whole virus, you're saying, all right, well, let's just take something that's on the outside of that and uh, have it made in, in immune cells, and you should get a pretty good immune response. So it was a, certainly a good experiment to try. Uh, the uh, really spectacular thing is, is how well it works. And uh, these are things that are is difficult to, to, to predict. Um, it's not just the expression of the protein in, in, say, a muscle cell or in an immune cell. 
Uh, it's also the lipid nanoparticle itself, uh, which um, I'm not an immunologist, but uh, by all accounts is a very good adjuvant. In other words, it really stimulates uh, the, right, the, the right kind of immune response so that you get a high level of neutralizing antibodies and a good memory uh, a good memory response as well, so that you know it will last. The, the, the immunization will last uh, for some considerable length of time. I'm somebody. I, I love talking about innovation, but I always have kind of this angle towards business as well. And for you as a researcher, you know, kind of uh, you know, moving, having that shift over to kind of the business side of things. You know, what, what's that kind of journey like for you as well? Oh um, well, this is something that I've been involved with all of my all of my uh, career. Uh, the um, <clears throat> in the mid '80s, we invented a device uh, for making um, a, a type of lipid nanoparticles called liposomes. And uh, the um, <clears throat> you know the story there was I uh, I gave a talk I think it was in New York, and uh, the um, Somebody in the audience said, well, I'd really like to have one of those devices that you've made to make liposomes. And um, so I, 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 I put them onto the, uh, the uh, machinist, I think he was in Port Moody somewhere, uh, who had made it for us. And well, two months later, I got this irate phone call saying, well, this thing doesn't work. And um, the, uh, <clears throat> of course, the machinist had no idea what it was being used for. And couldn't do quality control or anything like that, and so that was our first uh, uh, excursion, as it were, into uh, into um, commercial activity. Uh, we we decided, and this was me and three or four other people in my in my laboratory at the time. We decided to form a small company uh, to uh, to basically you know make sure that uh, the device was made according to good specifications and it actually worked. Uh, we did devise at that point what I, what I think. We, as, uh, we knew that companies had to have mission statements. And so at that point, we said, okay, well, uh, our mission statement uh, should reflect our particular um, <clears throat> approach. And so it was free beer every Friday and parties whenever possible. Sure. And uh, we <laughs> held to that, you know, for, uh, for well, right till the present day. It's, uh, it's a, uh, it's so, you know, this device is sold uh, literally, uh, 10,000 uh, devices around the world. It's the most popular approach for making, um, for making um, you know, lipid nanoparticle systems. Uh, so, so that really was the start of our, you know, in terms of getting involved in companies. And uh, from there, I mean, I've probably done about 10 startups over the years um, to, uh, to in one area or another, either as for the a device or for um, taking, uh, taking something that's, uh, Say has origins in my laboratory, uh, but um, making it actually uh, <clears throat> into a drug. I mean, such as the uh, the uh, the COVID nineteen vaccine. So, considering all the decades experience you have, you know, here on the West Coast within kind of this biotech sort of ecosystem, um, how do we stack up now? You know, as this kind of ascendant sort of ecosystem with regards to life sciences. We have a lot of big companies coming out uh, recently, you know, like Abcelera is getting a lot of headlines, but um, are, are there still challenges ahead or, or things we could be doing better here in British Columbia? Well, we're doing well, you know, I mean, everybody in the world, every jurisdiction has some envy of the um, say situation, either in the Boston area, the Bay area, or maybe the London area. Um, but um, the uh, I mean, given given the um, the uh, you know the, the 
<clears throat> the, the record that we have, we're, do, we're, we're, we're doing quite well. I mean, there's, there's obviously ways that it could be improved, um, but you know, if you have a major research university like the University of British Columbia, uh, enabling uh, these kinds of uh, of event of of you know of people like me to uh, to move things out of the uh, out of the academic environment and into um, a more commercial arena, you know this this is uh, it's a dramatic kind of way. It's a very very strong, very very good way of uh, of uh, building a um, an ecosystem. And I think you can point to most of the. Uh, successes you see, I've celebrated included. Um, <clears throat> Carl Hansen used to be a professor in the physics department here at UBC, and uh, you know he <laughs> he has uh, he's done pretty well, done reasonably well with some of our things. Uh, stem cell. I mean, all of these companies, uh, in many ways, owe their origin to UBC. Well, I'm curious. You know, just when we think of the potential behind mRNA and you guys are facilitating that, you know, is it going to really kind of change medicine in a way that a lot of people just average Joe on the street might not really grasp at this point? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's revolutionary. Um, you know, it's going to change an awful lot. Uh, the, um, the, uh, I, I, I tend to think of, uh, you know, you, you, you can point to various um, you know, generations of pharmaceuticals. Uh, first generation pharmaceuticals are small molecule drugs, aspirin, you know, cancer drugs, um, things like the statins and so on. Uh, <clears throat> and there's about 2,000 of those that are now been approved by various regulatory agencies. Uh, second generation of the so-called biologics, uh, which are monoclonal things like antibodies and uh, erythropoietin hormones, so they're the intact proteins. And then I'd say the third generation is going to be medicines uh, such as the um, messenger, the lipid nanoparticles with mRNA in it. Now, the reason that these are so revolutionary is uh, was manifold. Um, not, the uh, first one is they're exquisitely targeted, uh, the um, because you're going right after something. You're going right after something at the biological level. You're, you're really treating. You're not treating symptoms. You're treating what the disease actually is. And uh, so it's a, uh, as opposed to, to very often with a small molecule, you're, you're treating symptoms or something that's, that's uh, only related to the uh, disorder in a peripheral manner. And so the, uh, the second thing is the rapidity of which you can develop these medicines. Uh, the, um, once you know what the uh, an example, of course, is like for the vaccine, once you know the genome of the, uh, of the virus, uh, then the um, then within a day you can uh, design uh, the messenger RNA uh, that code for a protein uh, of the uh, that's associated with the virus, and within a month you can have some of that mRNA made, and uh, within two months you can have it packaged or actually packaging only takes a day or two, and you'll have that vaccine. Um, you know, so the, this takes something that might take normally many years and compresses it incredibly. And you're gonna see this happening in things like rare diseases. Say a child is born uh, and uh, it's not able to make a protein that's say involved in say blood clotting. Uh, the, uh, we can now see the, the day where we can say, okay, well, here's the protein that's missing. Uh, that's uh, that synthesized some of the messenger RNA that will code for that protein. Let's put it in one of these lipid nanoparticle systems and let's have the liver make that protein. And you could do that in a time scale that might be uh, short enough. It's a couple of months, a couple of months. 
uh, to save that uh, child's life. Uh, the, um, and so the rare disease area uh, is going to be as a first example of how, how things are going to be you know, truly uh, revolutionized. Uh, the, um, the cancer vaccine area is obviously of, uh, of huge, huge potential. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the list goes on and on. The Alzheimer's, um, you know, takes the uh, sickle cell anemia, um, Huntington's, you name it, all of these disorders um, are now very directly attackable. Because you, once you know what protein you're going after, uh, <clears throat> then you can design a an RNA-based molecule to either silence that protein if it's producing, it's like an oncogene and they producing uh, <laughs> or stimulating cancer uh, to uh, produce a protein if that protein is not being made and increasingly able to edit a protein if, that's, uh, if the protein that's being made uh, is um, deficient in some way, uh, say with cystic fibrosis or many other disorders. And so it's, uh, it, there, there's hardly any disease you can name uh, that uh, you, you can't see at least in a, uh, in a theoretical way um, the designing a medicine and uh, the, uh, it, with some rapidity. In other words, not, um, not something that's going to take 15 years um, and cost a billion dollars, uh, is, which is the standard, of course, now more than a small molecule development. So yeah, it's completely revolutionary. So how does it feel then, like being part of something that is really, you know, taking the world by storm? It, it's having a huge impact that you can see people are getting vaccinated and they're using your technology. Well, it, it, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and say, this can't actually be happening. Uh, the, um, because it's, uh, it, it really is on that scale. I, I, you know, the... Um, the um, I got a one of the reasons that we have been reasonably successful is that uh, you know we built on a um, you know a very long-term relationships between uh, actually the group that I mentioned uh, that was in my lab when we started making this device to make liposomes. Uh, there was uh, five of us that started that: myself, uh, Tom Madden, Nick Hope, Lawrence Mayer, and Marcel Valley. Um, we're, we're all still here uh, and still working together. And so that's uh, like Tom Madden is the, uh, is the uh, CEO of, uh, of Acuitas. Uh, the, um, anyway, so it, it's, uh, it's that we've retained, we've retained uh, the expertise here and built on it. Now that's been a vital part of the whole thing. So yeah, we have some pretty good celebrations when we get together as a group. Of course, we haven't been able to do that in the last little while, but uh, once the uh, restrictions for the, uh, you know, the pandemic are lifted, and we'll certainly have a big party at that point. Well, excellent. You know, Peter, I feel I could probably pick your brain for another uh, 25, 30 minutes here, but um, I just want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Tyler. It was a pleasure. That's uh, Peter Cullis. He is the co-founder of Acuitous Therapeutics. Uh, there was a spinoff over at UBC doing a lot of amazing things with regards to what we're seeing with vaccines rolling out right now. And that is it for the show today. You can go to BIV.com. More interviews, more stories there. But for now, I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.